What's up? It's Granger Smith. This is the Granger Smith Podcast, episode 16. A lot to cover today. This is a good one. This is a story I've been wanting to tell for a while now. Here we go. So if you are new to this podcast, this might not be the best one to start with. You might want to go backwards a little bit um, because I've been telling a story that's progressively going throughout these podcasts. Uh, and so a lot of this stuff might not make sense. Now, this podcast is not always going to be this kind of format. I'm not always going to just tell stories about how I got from where I was to how you know me now uh, in the music business and personally. I'm eventually going to get to doing interviews. Um, There's all kinds of different components I'm going to cover. But before I do any of that, I feel like I need to tell you where I came from. How I got to be the person you found on the radio or YouTube or social media, whatever it was. You need to know um, where I came from. And and it's important for me to tell it because telling it reminds me of, you know, the the path that I'm on is, is, is forged. It's forged in failure and fire. It was worth the ride. I'm on the bus, the back of my bus, Wildflower. I'm in South Dakota. It's February. I'm on the Kane Brown tour. It is really, really cold. Pulling up my phone right now. Uh, okay, it's not that bad. It's 15 degrees. The forecast has been at like zero, and I've seen it at negative 45 uh, when I was looking at this date. Tomorrow is North Dakota. And it's going to be really cold there. Let me look that up. I got to eight right now. Tomorrow's going to be negative nine. <sighs> cold. People always say, why do you tour when it's cold? Why don't you just tour in the summer or just tour in the southern states? No, that you got to understand that when it's cold like this, especially in a place like the Dakotas, uh, there's nothing to do but go to a concert. So that's why we do it on purpose. We come to places where uh, you, you can't go to a barbecue or, or hang out at the lake with your buddies or do, play some backyard ball. You know, The only thing to do is put on a coat and go to the concert. So, yeah, that's why we're here. I've been doing something new lately uh, this year. I've been running every day, jogging in the mornings. Um, and I'm not a runner. Actually, I should wear one of those shirts that says, I hate running I do. I hate running. It's it's not something I feel like I'm very gifted at. Um, I always, you know, I'm one of those people that say that like to say I'm a sprinter, uh, but I'm just not. I'm not a long distance runner, and that's why I'm doing it. That's exactly why I'm doing it because I've decided that it's important for me to do at least one thing a day that I'm uncomfortable with, something that challenges me, something that I don't like doing. So when I put on those running shoes and I go stare at the pavement and it's still dark outside you know it's way before dawn and I take that first step and then another and then another and, and I hear that little voice in my head that says stop this sucks what are you doing you're crazy why are you doing this and I kind of thrive on that because then when I finish and I have that that feeling of accomplishment then throughout the day the, the entire day I feel like I could take on a mountain you know, if, if you got a problem, bring it to me. I could definitely solve it because I just ran this morning and I freaking hate running. At least that's my mentality. My wife thinks I'm crazy with this, but uh, I'm on a streak. I've been running every single day. And so I didn't want to end that streak uh, here in South Dakota when it got to be uh, frigid temperatures. Now you're probably thinking, why don't you just go to a treadmill? 
Uh, that kind of defeats the purpose. You know, a treadmill is in a nice air-conditioned or heated place. And, uh, you know, remember, part of this for me is doing something that makes me uncomfortable. And there's nothing more uncomfortable than going out in single-digit weather and putting on a couple layers of sweats and jogging. So tomorrow will be my big test, North Dakota. Um, that's going to be the coldest for a Texas boy, the coldest I've ever run in in my whole life. And that'll be a good mental test for me. Hey, if you ever want me to answer a question on one of these podcasts, go to social media, hashtag GrangerSmithPodcast. Ask your question. I'll search for it, and i see what I could do. I'm looking right now, and I found Trenton Shoemaker. And he says, found out about the Granger Smith podcast two days ago, and I have officially listened to every podcast. Now I want to hear a podcast all about the beekeeping. All right, Trenton. I am a, uh, a hobbyist beekeeper, and I, I will talk about that. I'll, hey, I'll go into it on one of these uh, future episodes. I will say that, um, meanwhile, I'm up here, and it's in the teens in South Dakota. Right now in Texas, it's in the 80s. And uh, a couple days ago, I went and actually checked. I have two hives, and I checked one of them. You know what? I think I think I lost one of them. I think one of them left. I'm serious. It, you uh, more experienced beekeepers out there, um, I might need some advice. Um, I'm only three years in, and th- this would be the first time in in a spring. Now, granted, I, I haven't kept up with them. I haven't fed them all winter like I did the last two years. But I think I think one of them left me. I might have to do something about that. All right, let me try to paint the scene for you. It's 2011, July, hot as hell in central Texas. Me and my brothers, both of them, Tyler and Parker, have decided to make a video. Now, we've been making a bunch of videos lately. The goal is to get one viral. One million views, that was the goal. That seems so far out because all of my videos before that, they just had maybe tens of thousands, maybe, but more like tens of hundreds. (laughs) So we had a pretty good idea. Tyler called this the country guy. And it was a voice I had. I had listened to family members. I had listened to bar owners, patrons of old bars that I'd been going to for years and years. And so I had this little voice, and every once in a while, I would talk like it. And I was just doing it so that people would laugh at me. Probably the guys in the band, because I'd talk like this, and the band would start laughing. So Tyler called it the country guy. So we, we thought that he needed a video. So we're out at my mom and dad's place. We meet there, and we start going through the closet. And I, and I pull out all these, these different things that I think this country guy would wear. So I had some old denim overalls. Now, I had these overalls from high school football. We wore them as seniors on game day. We wore them to class. So, yeah, okay, he's going to wear some overalls. And I found one of my old white tank tops. Nah, that seems like a good combination. found my old red wing boots that I wore in high school. Uh, they were perfect. I probably got those when I was 13 years old. So then when I needed a hat, so I went into my dad's closet. He has tons of trucker hats, uh, old feed store caps, all kinds of caps. And, and I found one, and it said, Terrell, Sand and Gravel, Valley Mills, Texas. That seemed perfect for Earl. Uh, We went out, and we got in my old pickup truck. Now, this truck, which now has has seen a lot of YouTube, um, has a pretty good history with me. It was my very first truck I drove. Um, 
I took that puppy to my first job, to, to school, uh, back and forth to the ranch for years and years. It's a 1974 GMC three on the tree. Now, as you know, I've, I've written a lot of songs about that kind of truck. And that's the reason why, because of this one, it was an old, just, just almost a gross faded green color with patches from different dents I had made on it. The roof, uh, is completely, uh, wrinkled up and dented because when I was 17 years old, uh, I had the truck in neutral and I was working on a fence with my brother, Tyler, and, uh, it was on level ground in my defense, but a, a, a wind picked up and blew this truck down down the little dirt road, and uh, it went up on an eight-foot fence and turned all the way over and flipped it. Uh, so can you imagine I had to call my dad and tell him, hey, Dad, I flipped the truck. Um, luckily, before Dad got home... We had we found some some old boys that were working on a pipeline down the road, and they brought their truck in, hooked a winch up to it, flipped it back over, without doing any damage to the engine. It just had a bunch of wrinkles on the hood. Now it's missing a door. That is what that's really what made this truck famous. Is it's missing a door. Uh, that was when I was about I was probably about 20 years old then, and I was backing out of the barn. I had the door open, but I had a brand new puppy in the back. My my dog Rio was a puppy. And he was in the back, and I was worried about him because he was jumping around, and I was thinking, oh, God, he's going to jump out the back of the truck, and I'm going to hit him when I'm backing out. So I had my eyes on him, focused on that. That's my excuse, at least, because when I backed out of the barn, I left the door open, and the door tweaked on the side of the barn and bent far enough where it never shut right. So... My dad and I just took it off and decided to drive it without a door. So you can imagine us going into town in this truck, especially my dad, which is still a funny sight to me, uh, seeing him go into town with this truck with no door. That's country. Country boy love is what you need I'm in the rut, baby, you're my dough and heat Let's make a bed with all these beds Feed in the back of my truck What we put in the back of the truck was probably just important is how it looked on the outside. We had an old bag of deer feed. We had an old blanket, a, a box fan, some Levi Garrett dip, some old Coors Light from the barn, uh, a couple shotguns, single barrel that we always kept behind the seat. What else? We had doe urine. We had deer antlers. We had knives. We had uh, all, all these country things. It ended up being all the perfect utilities for this video we were going to make. It's like it just fell into our laps pretty easy. You know, one of the last things we did as we were walking out of the house was we brought some Sharpies with us, and Tyler, my brother, just kind of threw on some tattoos, a tribal tattoo on the left arm, and on the right arm, barbed wire tattoo with a deer skull with a Texas flag in the middle. Now, we just literally threw these tattoos on, not much thought behind it, and to this day, if you were going to say we had any regrets about that video, it was those damn tattoos. Because we put way too much ink on it, and we did way too, they were way too elaborate, and we didn't know that we would be repeating these a hundred thousand times after this video. 
So we get the camera, three brothers in the front seat of this pickup truck. We start driving down to this old house that's on mom and dad's place. And it's just this old 1850s house built by an old Norwegian farmer. Uh, it's pretty much abandoned, but we thought that this is going to be this guy's house. This is going to be where we shoot the video. And Tyler looks at me about that time and he says, you know, I want this guy's name to be Earl Dibbles Jr. You know, I kind of paused for a minute and I said, I like it. Why? And he said, well, I, I played football with this guy named Dibbles. It seems like a good last name. And he said, I love Earl. That's a really strong country first name. I said, I agree. And he goes, and then of course it has to be Junior. Earl Dibbles Jr. I said, cool. And he was born. This podcast is brought to you by Yee Yee Energy, our official energy drink, the one that me and my brothers made, and we are so proud of it. Please try it. You can get it at grangersmith.com or amazon.com and sign up for a subscription for that stuff so you could love it and get it every day. This is also brought to you by Yee Yee Apparel. We have so many brand new things rolling out very soon, next month, like brand new American flag shorts, four brand new hats, stuff that I think you guys are going to absolutely love. Go to yeeapparel.com or grangersmith.com. I'm now in North Dakota. We've moved. I'm in the back of my bus, Wildflower. It's freezing cold outside. And we have a show tonight. I did my run this morning in sub-degree temperatures, just like I always wanted. That's a, a first for this Texas boy. And that's what I wanted. I wanted the mental challenge to callous the mind. It, it helps me. If I, could, if I could overcome something like that, get out and run in sub-degree temperatures, then I feel like I could, I could accomplish anything. And, you know, I, I probably needed that kind of advice back in the day, back about 2011, because although in my story, we're, we're just about to come up with Earl Dibbles Jr., a, a video that would soon be the beginning of a chain reaction that led me to where I am today. But I didn't know that at the time. In fact, would you believe me that, that 2011 was a really tough time? I was losing a bunch of band members, whether, whether or not... They were going to another band or they just uh, needed some time off from the road because my road at the time in this van and trailer was tough. We were traveling a lot. We were playing a lot of shows for not a lot of money to not a lot of people. But I believed so passionately that what we were doing was right, that we were on the right path. And it's hard to get an entire crew to believe in that with you. And I would, I would come off so strong, you know, on the outside and I would, I would be a tough guy, and I would, I would say, follow your dreams, and we're doing the right thing, and yay, we're, we're leading the charge and, and being creative. But I didn't always feel like that on the inside. I was very vulnerable. I felt, uh, I felt insecure about we were, what we were doing, and, that, and that's what happens when you're every single day you're playing shows and you're getting a lukewarm mild reaction or no one is showing up, and, and parking lots are such a big deal. Because we would go and we'd take the van and we would sound check and then go to a restaurant and then go to the hotel and get cleaned up and get dressed and come back. And as soon as you're pulling back into that venue, man, that first look of that parking lot, that's a big deal. You pull around that corner and you kind of hold your breath because you're going to see that parking lot and you're going to see either a bunch of trucks and a bunch of cars and it's full and people are walking from across the street because they can't find a spot. And that was rarely ever ever the case usually you pull in and you you see about 15 or 16 cars right 
pickup trucks, cars. And you think, well, crap, there's either 15 people in this club that holds a thousand or, hey, maybe everybody took a taxi and the rest of the people just piled in and caravan with each other inside the same vehicles. And so you take 16 cars and then multiply times they piled six people in each car. Nah, that, that never was the case. And so then we, we would get set up and we'd get, you know, parked behind the venue and I would, the band would go in first and they would get the first sight of what the dance floor looked like. And they would come back out and I would say, how does it look? How does it look? How does it look? And they would say, oh, you know, about maybe 75, maybe 80 people, but it's not that bad because the, the they're not at the tables. They're kind of up around the dance floor area. So it looks, it looks pretty good. And, and the people that are there are having a good time. They're kind of rowdy. And they, they would do this to make me feel better because they knew that it's really hard for me to, to go out there and and face nobody and give them everything I have to give them all my passion. That's, that's something, you know, like I, like I was talking about with waking up early and going out into sub degree temperatures and jogging, that's mental callousing. And that's what I was doing every night during these times. One time we were playing a club in Oklahoma. It was called the squander bar. It was just a crappy place. It's since burned down, which tells you what kind of place it was. It burned down. And there was 12 people there that night. And this place holds probably six or 700. And there was 12 people on a Saturday night when we played. You know, that wasn't the first time. It wasn't the last time. But for whatever reason, that number 12 stuck with us. And we would judge crowds by that number 12 from then on. So, for instance, I would go in and I would say, how does it look, guys? And they would say, it's about a three or four squander. Okay. So that's, you know, 12 times three or four. But then we, we got to a point where we could call it a super squander. A super squander was 120. So we would say, it's about a, it's about a super squander and a half. Wow. Okay. There's like 180 people in there. That was when we were getting really good. I want to tell you one more story and I know I'm getting kind of sidetracked here. But the reason I'm, I'm leading you from these days of squander numbers, when we had 24, 36, 50 people on a Saturday night, the reason I'm telling you these stories is, is because what was happening at the time of, of the creation of all these videos was that we were, we were about to break through and we, we were about to change to a nobody band that was trying really hard to a band that actually had a, some following growing. And Tyler and Parker were with me from the very beginning of these days. And they're my brothers. And I, maybe I'm also telling you this because I feel like this podcast is probably going to get some more listens because it's about the creation of Earl Dibbles. And people have been asking me for this story for a long time. And I've never been this in-depth in telling it. But there's one night, there's one more story, there's one night that stands out in my mind. And we were in Tyler, Texas. And with the band, with, with my brother. And it was one of these times when we pulled up and the parking lot was kind of crappy. And it looked pretty thin from the outside. And, and the band went in. And I knew that they were going to probably come back and tell me a lie and tell me that it was okay. Just to get my confidence up. But Tyler goes in and he, he comes back out. And he says, I said, how does it look? And he said, 
it's shit, man. There's nobody in there. I was like, oh, come on, man. There's, there's got to be somebody. And he said, yeah, I mean, there's, there's probably 11 or 12 people in there. Maybe a one squander. I'm talking a show night at about 10 o'clock. You're telling me there's 10 people in there? And I don't know what it was inside me, but I had been... I had been building this up over 10 years, you know, and, and we had some songs on, on regional radio, you know, there, there was no reason. And I, and I had these guys, I was paying my band members, you know, and they were supporting friends and families and girlfriends and they were depending on this stuff. And we had played this place many times before. And how could we be slipping? How could we be going backwards? And that's what, that's what, young musicians and and baby bands go through and it snapped inside me i was sitting on the edge of my trailer side door open half dressed for the show should be walking inside within about five minutes and i snapped i i started grabbing suitcases you know our bags that were packed inside the trailer and i just started throwing them as far as i could and tears just started pouring out of my eyes and I was just so pissed off and I was yelling and I just couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take that. Nobody's coming to watch you. You made an art form and no one gives a shit. I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. And I just tears flowing down my face and I just headed off across the street. And the first place I saw was this storage unit facility, you know, and I wanted to disappear into that storage unit facility because I wanted to just break down and start crying. I didn't want Tyler to see me. And so I just disappeared behind some of these buildings and find a, found a, you know, wove my way in there and found a spot and sat down and just put my head between my knees and just started bawling. I just couldn't take it. It, it had finally stacked up enough. And I sat there and it felt like forever and I knew that showtime had come and gone and to me it didn't matter because there was 10 people and those 10 people probably didn't really want to see me anyway. They were just there for the beer. So I sat there and and, uh, and Tyler found me, man. He found me behind this building and yeah, he sat down with me and he said, we got to do it. We got to keep going, man. Bro, we got to keep going. You got this. You know, your band's dependent on you. We got to do this. We got to take it one day at a time and we will get better. We will figure this out. So I stood up, you know, brushed my pants off and wiped my face, (laughs) went back and put my hat on, went into the club, strapped on my guitar and we played a show. And that's what we did. We kept going. I say what I think I get out of hand with too many drinks I hate to be wrong when I know that I am I need to be strong when sometimes I can't And just when I think I'm complicating things She makes it so easy She means it when she talks about loving me so completely She's lace and we fit perfectly She makes it so easy 
So continuing the, the story, uh, and I thought it would be appropriate if I brought in the, the two guys that were with me at the time. We were driving the truck from the house down to the old Norwegian home, and Tyler comes up with this idea uh, that this character is going to be called Earl Dibbles Jr. And there were three of us in the cab, and now there's three of us sitting in the back of Wildflower, and uh, th- no better than to hear it from the guys themselves. I got my two brothers, Parker and Tyler. So did you guys, when we, when we came up with this idea, I've been saying that it was just another, it was just another idea on top of many ideas uh, to try to get a viral video to ultimately promote an album that was going to come out called Dirt Road Driveway. But did you guys uh, have any idea this was going to become what, our, our lifestyle now? Well, the majority of my childhood was spent with a camcorder in my hand, filming you doing something, something dumb, something that we thought was funny. From I'm, I remember being in middle school out at some radio station the very first time that you were out doing a, a radio tour for your very first single, Colorblind, way back in the day. And you being like, wouldn't it be funny if we we couldn't find the radio station? And just uploading videos like that. And then going in the radio station, it's like, wouldn't it be funny if they didn't even recognize me? Yeah, that was you. How old were you, Parker, when you were filming Where's the Radio Station in 2006? Yeah, I was probably 12 or 13 years old. <laughs> you showing me how to use a camcorder and getting angles and stuff. <laughs> So, so then you fast forward from 2006 to, th- to 2011, and um, so you're a teenager now, and you're with Tyler, and uh, we're filming what is to become Earl Dibbles. And this is not only the story of the creation of Earl Dibbles, but almost more importantly, it's the creation of Yee Yee, which has now become... Um, synonymous with live it and and everything that we do and yee apparel and yee energy and um it's what you do full time at our warehouse parker you know that's all you do is yee apparel um it's just it blows my mind that that what was about to happen as we drove this truck down to the old house uh was going to become a a path for our life so the plan was Roughly, and I think we talked about it in this truck. The plan was, I'm going to sit on the porch, and I'm going to go down the list of my day, what I'm going to do during the day, my schedule, my tough schedule, and then we would go and act out all the things that I said. So, um, Tyler, you you had the camera. I mean, you tell it. Well, I have a question for you. Okay. Was uh, was this the first time that we ever did Earl? I know when telling this story, we tell people that you kind of did some this character in the van, but did you say those things in the van or like? I I explained earlier in this podcast that you called it the country guy, and it was more like dri- driving around in the van, and we'd be at a gas station and we would be really low on gas, and we'd pull up to the station on empty, and I'd say. Got to get up, come out there, and get that gas. You know, put that gas in there and get going on the road. So you, know, you did that, yeah. But it was just kind of just to make people laugh. But he didn't have any specific sayings at the time. Interesting. Yeah, I don't remember any specific instances <laughs> before we filmed that. 
But um, I, yeah, I mean, as far as the day that we filmed it, I just remember laughing a whole lot and knowing that it was probably, you know, like you said earlier, there's absolutely no way anybody would ever predict or like sit here and say, yeah, we planned for this yee to happen and for us to, you know, have this empire of yee. There's no way. Um, but I knew that we had something special because we were laughing and I was just laughing hysterically throughout the video when I was filming it so much that I, you know, I had to give Parker the camera for different scenes so I could, you know, get out of range of the microphone to laugh. You were so, laughing so hard it was making me laugh. So you could see a little bit on the outtakes that are still on YouTube, but I would literally do five seconds of a line and then start laughing. But it was usually because I was looking at you and you were laughing. So you mm -hmm. had to go around the building and then Parker took over. Yeah, I m remember specifically... Um, the fix the tree scene i was laughing so much that um that you know that whole scene was cut up so much because i was laughing yeah come on <laughs> yeah it was all so funny to me the first time seeing that so what happened with yee Yi, though i mean because i don't really remember that but i you know i was in the field and by the way it was it was what like over a hundred degrees in July in Texas. It was probably hundred and two degrees. Nothing, no clouds in the sky, and I was out there in these overalls and a white tank top, and almost ha damn near having heat stroke <laughs> running around. And uh, I remember, especially during the gun scene, I almost had a heat stroke because, first of all, we just wasn't in great shape at that time, and I was running through the field with boots, with my overalls tucked in the tops of my boots, with the shotgun over my head, and you were calling out instructions like, shoot from the hip, hold it above your head. And then that, and as you were yelling that out, and I was about to die with the heat stroke, that's when you said, hold it over your head and yell yee yee, or wh whatever you said. So at the time, there was a crazy fan. and I Which think, we didn't have many of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't have many. Uh, and she, I think she was from Colorado or something. But the reason I knew who she was is because she used to tweet you all the time. And she used to say, she would just say, uh, ye, why, why I? And so it was kind of at the time, it was kind of like an inside joke because she was, you know, we, we saw her tweets every day. So we talked about her a lot and we kind of, we, we were, we were aware of ye or whatever that meant. And so I think at the time when you were doing all that stuff, for whatever reason, it popped in my head and I said, you'd say ye, ye. And then it turned into Y E E Y E E, not Y Y I. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's all it was. And throughout the video, did wait? Did we do that before the video though? Or is that the first time you? Ever... That was the first time. That's the first time. I mean, video, but did you do that before? No, Earl never did it. I think it was. So I just said, "Say ye ye," and you said it. Mm -hmm. How it became? Yeah, I said ye ye. Uh, and, and when you called it out, like I could have said ye ye right. or. You know, but it was born that day, and when we did it, you know, I'm about to have heat stroke, and uh, you're you're about done, you know, and we were never thinking that that was going to carry on, and that was going to be what I'm looking at you right now, what's on your hat and your and your sweatshirt, and you know, it's just become um, a thing, and I think the coolest part about Yee Yee is that and Earl itself is that we never pushed any of it like it was a marketing plan 
It never was. It everything that came from that was brought by the fans. You know, the fans then started going to shows, and that, that's another story for another time. But the the reason it took off was because fans adopted it, and they started saying it, and they started having signs that said "Yee Yee," and uh, that's ultimately what uh, we had to latch on to what the fans already grabbed. And uh, so we we got to give credit where it's due for sure. I remember specifically when I created the socials for Earl. Um, you know, I, I can't remember. Um, I guess I could go back and see when when his account was created. Does it say that on Twitter? Like created? I think it does. So I think it was a little bit after the video came out, and we realized that we had something with this video. And and for whatever reason, I wanted to create socials and create this. You know try to catch this character we made and so anyway i remember knowing like you said uh did we have any idea well i knew like somewhere deep down that we had something really special so for whatever reason i was walking i was in austin at the time and i think i was at south by southwest and actually it was right when i saw jay-z get out of a black uh blacked out suburban i was uh screenshotting the Earl Dibbles Jr. account because it had zero followers. And I was like, one day this is going to have a lot more followers than zero. So I still got that screenshot somewhere. Yeah, it's it's been crazy because I've had that feeling a couple times. I thought Donnie was going to take <laughs> off when we first came out with Donnie, the other character, uh, which, by the way, Donnie has uh, something I'm very excited about coming soon. So Donnie's not done yet. I'm not going to give up on him yet. Um, but we finished shooting that and we went back to the house and I edited it that night threw it together um, you know showed it to mom and dad dad was just laughing his ass off at this thing and we put it up on YouTube and it it instantly got more views than we had ever seen and this was this was when YouTube uh, was really living on its own more than now Instagram drives so much stuff and Twitter drives so much stuff. But back then, you could just, you know, YouTube was getting emailed around. I don't think Instagram was around yet. Probably not. And we we saw that video after we woke up the next morning. It had like 25,000 views, right? Something like that. And that's about 10 times more than we had ever seen in, in day one. And it continued to gain momentum and we boom we had we had our goal we had uh, our million views by what Tyler by August I don't know if it was that quick when would we release it July July I don't think it was that quick right it's maybe like a couple months maybe September. six months maybe September I I, can, I think I can go back on the insights and analytics and check maybe on YouTube but regardless it by far was the fastest growing. Um, most viral video that we we'd ever done, and that was the goal for that. That's that's what, what we always wanted. And from that point on, um, we we went on a little bit of a chase. You know, me and you always talk about farming and hunting. And when we made Earl, we were hunting big time. We were out in the woods hunting. And then when you finally get something, you got to pull back and you got to farm a little bit. Got to farm uh, what you killed. And that's what we did. We farmed Earl. And to some extent, we still farm Earl and what that farm is. What you, what you planted. Yeah. What happened after that was um, a big learning experience because we, we got a viral video. And 
Nothing changed for me, though, as far as uh, anything. Like, you created that Earl account, and it got a few followers, but we didn't really know how to grow it yet. Wasn't the first ever Earl post, like, we didn't know what to do with him. We were like, so is it just going to be like Earl's on these socials? And so I remember whenever we first created his Instagram, it was like, just a picture of a feed bag and it was like my pillow for the night <laughs> really yeah it was like like morning y'all from his bed and it was just like a picture of his little blanket on that dirty floor dude it's it's had all his socials and himself like there's different seasons and evolutions like when you came on board like when i was running I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. When I was like doing a lot of his tweets and socials, yeah, everybody knows that if you see an Earl Dibbles tweet or Instagram he, post, it's one you know of the three brothers. You know what's funny about that? Back in the beginning of Earl, when you, I was so like OCD. When you were playing your show, your 90 minute set, I wouldn't ever tweet from Earl because I just had a feeling. I was like, man, if somebody sees you tweet, <laughs> they're gonna know it's not you. So I never would. I think it's but, fair to say that I don't know, I do not post everything from Earl, but it comes from one of the three brothers. Yeah, yeah, every 100% every every tweet. But um what I was saying was the different seasons of Earl like when I was running the socials, I had, you know, my own twist on on what I would do and I was doing so many different things and so I felt like at some point I was getting a little careless and I would just like repost a meme. And when we brought you on Parker um you just totally everything exploded because you were able to really focus and do more creative content and uh, you know real like use Earl for for things as opposed to like doing meme stuff like I was doing like which was great at the time but um yeah it's just fun to see it continue to grow so that 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 first few months after Earl we saw the video go viral but nothing changed in my live show like I'm still going out there and playing you know, colorblind and living like a lone star. And and nothing nothing was growing that way and, and there was a huge disconnect. And so I think the first was the first thing we, we did with Earl make a t shirt. Is that the first thing we did? I'm not sure. Because um, we made the t shirt Country Boy. Is that what it said? You no. remember the Country Boy t shirt? Tough schedule? Yeah, that was the first one. It said, I'm a country boy on the front. And on the back, it said, I got a tough schedule and listed. I wake up, put a good dip yeah, in. We right. still sell it, yeah. Well, that's one of the. Slightly. We don't. So, what happened was, you, you'll, you'll remember, but we got a cease and desist letter. Oh, yeah, we changed it, yeah. Within a few weeks of releasing this country boy, we actually sold a lot of them for, for who we were at the time. Um, we sold a lot of this. I'm a country boy, I got a tough schedule. And then we made a pink one that said, I'm a country girl. I got a tough schedule. So we made two. And we got a cease and desist letter from this company that had trademarked country boy and country girl. Yeah. I, re I, dude, it, I saw a tweet like a couple of days ago from somebody that said, I couldn't do this because this company sent me a cease and desist from that same company. Like, apparently that's all they do, which yeah. is really shitty. But. They, don't, they don't have any shirts of their own, really. They just... They just prevent everyone else from doing it. That's how they. That's how they survive. They have apparel. Okay. Well, it's but crappy probably. <laughs> but yeah. the, but I mean they, they went after. I know they went after Luke Bryan, 
uh, when he did Country Girl Shake It For Me or something like that. He had a shirt, and they stopped him from We have a shout-out to our Instagram account called at Girls. Just hit 10,000 followers. But one of our Yee Girls, she has a very successful Country Girl page, and it was called Country Girl Paradise. And they sent her a cease and desist for her Instagram account. So she had to change it to, like, Country Girl. Or, or sorry, Country Gal. Anyway. Well, what's really important about that, though... Is that we, that if that hadn't have happened, if that strange com- company that trademarked Country Boy and Country Girl, if they had never reached out to us, then we never would have grown into what has become Yee Yee Apparel. Because what that did is it opened our eyes. We realized that you know you can't just make a t shirt and sell it, you have to do your research, you have to trademark things. And the first thing we did is we changed that shirt to I Got a Tough Schedule. Which is now still, we still sell it, right? And it's still our, we call it our OG. And um, from then on, we had to, if we were going to make a t-shirt, we needed to research if it was trademarked or not. And once again, it's just us, this little mom and pop company. But the, the biggest deal that happened was I was driving through Lampasas, Texas. And I'll never forget it. There was a truck dealership and I've said this story on the radio a lot because it impacted me but in the windshield on every truck in the front that's parked along the road that said yee yee and it hit me like oh my god we've we've got to get control of yee yee or somebody is going to trademark it and use it against us and then we'll never be able to say it or, or put it on anything and so we we instantly went to an attorney what, did we even have one? Is that where we found Jonathan now? Dad told us. He said, hey, you need to trademark this. Yeah. So we went and we reached out to an attorney, which we didn't have. We, we found one through a friend of a friend who ended up being awesome. I think I did it through like the US.gov okay. Okay. That trademark, was before that then. whatever. And, and it was like $5,000. You remember that? Yeah, it was something and like that. And it was I had no idea way what I was doing. more money than we possibly had in, in a bank account. And we we freaked out because we realized we we either had to do that and drain everything we had to put it into a stupid trademark. It, but knowing that if we didn't do it, somebody else was going to do it and hold it against us. So we pulled everything we had together and daggum trademarked Yee Yee. And then we trademarked Earl Dibbles Jr. and put a good dip in and crack a cold one. So we could still say all of those things. And... And at the time, it seemed like this is one of the stupidest business moves we've ever made. I mean, all this money cost more than my whole van and trailer that we're traveling with. But now looking back, um, you know, it, it saved our ass for sure. Um, and, and then the, the last piece of that puzzle was the live show. Because it's still 2011, and um, there, was, there was a moment that I'll never forget a moment when some guy came up to me in meet and greet and he told me something that um, that would forever change how I operated man from the city trying to take my rifle but there's something that he needs to understand second amendment's only second to the bible 
He'll have to pull it out of my dead hands Yeah, he can have opinions I don't have to agree with him Ain't nothing wrong with me and him being different Oh, no, no But I think that he should know, no, no How I roll I'm a survivor You're damn right I'm a fighter I'm a big box kid and try by bringing Hey, junior disciple So don't you be offended When granddaddy So I'm sitting here with my two brothers, Tyler and Parker, and uh, where could I find you guys, or where could everyone find you guys on social media, because both of y'all are still single, and I do need a Yigi sister and some Yigi nieces and nephews, so where could we find you guys? Parker. Oh, you're going to just pass it mine on? Is, mine is, my Instagram's just at TylerSmith11, at TylerSmith11. Mine's Parker, double underscore Smith. Fancy. It used to be Sugar Smith. On Instagram, formerly known as Sugar Smith. <laughs> why, why were you Sugar Smith? Because I'm sweet. I think that was a nickname I gave you. All right, that's, so, still, that's still my Twitter, Sugar Smith Eleven. Sounds like a uh, heavyweight boxing champ. So I told, I, I just got through saying that so that guy came up to me in a meet and greet, and it it changed the way I looked at everything. Do you know what I'm about to say, Parker? No, I never is, heard this. Okay. So a guy came up to me and he goes, keep in mind, Earl's out. He's mildly viral. I think he might have even had a million views. But my show is still exactly the same as it was before Earl. So this guy goes, man, you're a funny guy. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. He goes, but I don't see that in your show. And I was like, oh, shit. Earl has to be in the show. Like, that's the only answer. We can't have a viral video that's going crazy, and I go out here and play, you know, sleeping on the interstate. We needed we needed something more than that, and um, that's when I knew I need to write Earl a song. Was it immediately he's going to write a song or he's going to sing, or was it maybe I'll bring him up for a comedy bit? in the middle of the show people always said that and it was always going to be a song because I've never looked at myself as a comedian and people in the early days thought that they would go to my show and see a comedy bit and then a concert and to this day it's never been that and I don't think it ever could be it was always going to be Earl talks to people through his music in public which ironically weren't you Variety's top 10 comedians to watch in like 2015 I was, which I think is, I think it's a kind of a big deal. And then all nine of them went on tour together, and you were the only one. So who yeah, didn't. Variety named the top ten comics to watch, and I was one of them. And whenever that happens, evidently in the in the comedy world, they go on tour together. It wasn't a. They didn't all go on tour together. They just took the top ten comics uh, for that year. I think it was 2016. I was looking it up, but they. Um, they invited you. It was basically like an award show. First award show we would ever win anything, and we couldn't go. So nine of them went except me because I was playing a concert. And I, I think to this day that probably there was whoever that guy, the runner-up, like number 11 on that variety list, probably hates me forever because he would have been in the top ten and would have gone to this award show. And 
so just he, started his career. So we started getting offers from our agency. Uh, the people were submitting offers to William Morris for you to go do stand up for a pretty substantial amount of money, but you know we didn't ever obviously do that. Yeah. So that was another another turning point in my career because as that's taking off, I have a decision to make. I could I could write Earl a song, or I could pursue comedy I, I knew i knew that the answer to that it was there's no way i was going to do that there's no way i was going to try to chase some some comedy gigs um but but what happened was i decided to go back and chase the granger music along with it with an earl song and uh and so i dove in and, and i started writing and i started trying to complete the projects that that motivated the entire Earl thing to start from the from the very beginning and that was what was going to become Dirt Road Driveway. And that is kind of the beginning of my story. I mean, Dirt Road Driveway, for a lot of people, is is the first album that they ever heard from me. Earl was the first thing they ever saw from me. But uh, but that is a story for another podcast. But I could mark this as almost the beginning. This, this story, this time period at the end of 2011 was the beginning. It was, it was the beginning of a new era. It was the beginning of a popular band that I was about to be part of, a band that actually put people in venues and was kind of in demand in the small club areas. What's really fun is we still consider it the beginning. Yeah, of absolutely. what it could grow into. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's what keeps me going is waking up knowing that this is just the beginning. We have we have so much more to do. We have the very first ever. Uh, you've already said this, right? Granger, Earl song and Granger song, like them together. We people have seen them kind of like we've done a few videos for fun together, but the, like uh, never a music video where they're together and a song that they're actually singing together. Yeah, March of 2019, uh, the first ever Granger and Earl song together, both on the same track and the music video. We have it planned for we're shooting in a couple weeks, and it should just be insane. It's going to be uh, the most epic video of all time, says Tyler Smith at Tyler Smith 11. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's all I got. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the Granger Smith podcast. We'll see you next time. It happens like that. Out of the blue sky, lost in her blue eyes. Yeah, when it happens like that, nothing to lose turns right into you. One thing leads to another, you loving each other when looking, you never look back. It happens like that. Thanks for listening. If you want to support me or any other artist, the best way is to see us on tour. Go to grangersmith.com backslash tour. See you down the road.